1 Kings chapter 3, and starting at verse 16. So, I'm thankful that uh, God doesn't leave or forsake us, that's what the Bible says. Yeah. And that's one of the, that's a really good promise in there. And it's a, it's really good, yeah. I'm just thankful that we have that promise that he gave to us, that he'll never leave or forsake us. And so, First uh, Kings 3.16 says, Then came there two women that were harlots unto the king and stood before him. And then I'm going to jump down to 23 and 28. Uh, 23 through 28, my bad. Then said the king, The one saith, This is my son that liveth, and thy son is the dead. And the other saith, Nay, but thy son is the dead, and my son is the living. And the king said, Bring me a sword. And they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, Divide the living child in two, and give half to the one and half to the other. Then spake the woman whose the living child was unto the king, for her vows yearned upon her son. And she said, O my lord, give her the living child, and no wise slay it. But the other said, Let it be neither mine nor thine, but divide it. Then the king answered and said, Give her the living child, and no wise slay it. She, she is the mother thereof. And all of Israel heard of the judgment which the king had judged. And they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in them to do judgment. So I'm going to go to prayer real quick. Uh, God, be with me tonight, Lord. Uh, get me out of the way, Lord. And let your spirit move, Lord. And have your message go out to the Lord. And fill me with your spirit, Lord. Help me to say the right words. And just get me out of the way. And you do everything. You do all the work, Lord. And you get all the glory. And if it open ears and open hearts, Lord, so what you have me to say tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So, my quick little intro, so Solomon becomes the king of Israel, and so we know that he asked for basically the ability to discern between good and bad. He asked God, not understanding heart, to judge the people, so he gets the gift of wisdom, and he also gets blessed with great riches since he didn't ask for that, and God was pleased with that request. And so, so basically this is like Solomon's great judgment, the judgment that basically made him Israel know, and basically made him all hear about, his, about how uh, great Solomon's wisdom was going to be. So first we notice that Solomon takes a sword. So that's, uh, his response to this judgment, or what he hears because the two harlots, uh, basically, um, so they both each had a child, and one dies, and the other one doesn't, and and so uh, it, verse 20 says, and she arose at midnight, and uh, basically the person that came and made the cry to Solomon about it, and took my son from beside me, while thy handmaid slept, and laid it in her bosom, and later dead child in my bosom. And when I rose in the morning to give my child suck, behold, it was dead. But when I had considered it in the morning, behold, it was not my son, which I did bear. And the other woman said, Nay, but the living is my son, and the dead is my son. And this said, No, but the son, the dead is thy son, and the living is my son. Thus they spake before the king. So basically the king had two people debating between basically whose child this was who was the living child, and which one had the dead child. 
And so Solomon, so he says divide the living child in half. So neither one gets it. And the woman whose child it was, actually was, says, give the other person the child and then don't, don't kill it. But the one who, whose child it wasn't said to slay it, so neither person got it. And so, and that's how Solomon was able to determine whose child it actually was just by that right there. And so when I, when I read this, not too long ago. So this kind of got me because I was thinking today, I don't really think that would have been the case per se or that kind of judgment would have happened because we kind of have this, I would say a lot of people say there's this loss for natural affection towards a child and stuff. And so it's, it's, really, it's really sad to think about it that uh, like basically someone's basically a mother of a child wouldn't care about the child and they much rather have it killed and not have it there because yeah. there's many people that do feel that way now and back then that was and back then like even with this woman she really wanted to keep her child and have it and and today we have something called abortion which gets rid of the child and it's really sad thing to see especially from right here where basically the judgment that uh, and the wisdom that God gave Solomon there to discern who this child was, uh, I believe in some cases wouldn't work in today's society because of how yeah. far we've gotten away from what God's intended for us. And so it got me thinking after I read about it because this is something to think about. It's really kind of confusing, I would say, because of why, why, would, this, why would it be different back then than it is today? And the Bible has answers on that. And so, uh, Second Timothy, that's the reason why I kind of wanted to have this as a little intro to kind of show where my thoughts were coming from and what got me in the Second Timothy chapter 3. And so, Second Timothy, uh, so we'll be basically in like the top half, so 3, 1 through 5, and then we'll be like 14 through 17 of Second Timothy chapter 3. And so 2 Timothy 3 starts out, This know also that in the last days, pearliest times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, petty, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, yeah. from such turn away. So, 2 Timothy 3.3 answers the question I had about why it was going to happen. It says the first three words are without natural affection. Yeah. So it's talking about these people that will lose their natural affection, where natural affection is basically like this care about your family, or like care around the people around you that are your close family, and they are gonna lose care for like their child, which, and the Bible tells that. And so we come, so we came to that point, that has happened, but there's some people that still care about their child at this point, so it's still, there's still a little bit more, but 
And so, so I was reading a little bit more down and it got a little bit more challenging. I think there's definitely some, I think, have started to get into the minds of Christians now and have started to get to them. And they've started to let these different things that are mentioned here get to their heads and start to fool them and lead them astray from where the path they're supposed to be going. And so starting out with in verse four, so the traitors had he high-minded. So the three I'm gonna the three the three big ones that uh, God pointed out to me was high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, and having a form of godliness, yeah. but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. So these are gonna be the big three I focus on tonight. And then after that, we'll go to the later half of 2 Timothy chapter 3. And so, high-minded. So high-minded comes from, so I did a little bit of Greek studying right here. So I studied one of the Greek words because I think it has a really interesting meaning. And so I thought I would share it. So it comes from a Greek word meaning tofu or like tofu, something close enough. I, I can't really speak it, so. <laughs> So this word means to envelope with smoke. So the verb envelope basically means to surround, to basically wrap up, cover, or surround completely. So, and so I kind of thought about it in this visual way. So you got like your yellow envelope you put in the mail or your little like bill, your white package that the bills go in and they would call that an envelope, right? And so you're, you're putting something in it, you're wrapping something in it, you're surrounding something in it. So visually, I went to thinking of it that way. And so, so this like smoke has like a self-conceit, it's high-minded, be lifted up with pride, this feeling of uh, yourself and feeling that you're higher or better than God. And, and that's and so I kind of think about it. It's like this envelope you're filling up with this pridefulness, this high-mindedness, and it starts to make you think that you're higher up or you're stronger than God. Yeah. And that's basically what high-minded means. And so another synonym, synonym to like high-minded would be a. Uh, uh, would be haughty, which is like thinking a lot about yourselves and not really for others as much. So you're more self-centered thinking about yourself instead of thinking about how you should be thinking about other people. And I think everyone could say that we need to think about others more than we think about ourselves because we all struggle with that at times. Yeah. So I'm even saying I struggle with that. And so I think sometimes we're guilty of, we're all guilty of caring about ourselves more than what we care about God too. And so I was thinking about this earlier when I was doing like my last second looking over the notes, studying over quick last second meditation about it. And so I was thinking the, the reason why you should fast would be the reason because you're caring about someone else because you want you want something to happen. You may be fasting for like a lost soul or hoping that they come to know God as their savior. So that was how I was thinking about this fasting. And basically we're not doing it for ourselves. We're, we're basically fasting whatever we're giving up for whatever, for whatever purpose 
for example, I've been considering fasting for one of my friends. So basically, I'm considering, I feel like I need to give up food. And so, and so we have to basically, so I'm thinking about giving up one of my physical needs for one of my friends' spiritual needs. Yeah. Hopefully praying about it for the next few nights. So when they're, so they have a chance to come to church and get saved potentially. Yeah. And so basically giving up our, our needs and our wants and caring about someone else's. And that's a very hard thing to do at times. And, yeah. and so, so I looked up the word pride. And so it means a feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievement. And so in my notes, I circled the word own. Yeah. And so basically, and beside I put circle own, and then beside it says, we're nothing without God. Yeah. Basically, we don't achieve yeah. anything on our own. We only achieve stuff through God. And we should give God the praise for that. Amen. And so, and so also under it, I uh, boxed achievement comes by God. And then I put where? And so there's, there's many passages throughout the Bible that show there's many great achievements that happen. And so the one I thought of was in Daniel 1-2. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. And so his right here means Nebuchadnezzar. So this is when Babylon besieged uh, Judah. And they will take them captive and defeat them. So, so the Lord did. Nebuchadnezzar, later on we know, Nebuchadnezzar is probably one of the most famous examples of struggling with pride. Because everyone kind of... A lot of people know that he turns into like the weird beast for his pride, and he turns into like this wild animal. For and he basically goes crazy for, for I forget how long, so I'm not gonna say that. But he goes crazy. So, and because of his pride, is what caused it? Because he believed he achieved the king of Babylon on his own, all by himself. But in reality, the Lord gave him that greatness, and yeah. God told him. And God Amen. told him that that was going to happen. And so, and I feel like many times on my own, I fall short of this pridefulness because I think it's very easy to get lifted up in pride and get this high-mindedness. Yeah. And so, and pride's probably, I definitely say, one of the biggest things I struggle with. And so I pray about it. I try, I try to draw closer and try to remove a lot about it. And so, for example, I'm gonna rattle myself a bit. So, I like to play basketball a bit. So, and so, God's He's blessed me with some skill, just a little bit. And oftentimes, I let that skill get above my head, and I kind of take it to my head just a little bit too much that God has given me, and I act like I've, I put all in all this work that God, in reality, he's blessed all the work I put in and gave yeah. me a little bit back. Amen. And I act like I've done it all by myself, all on my own. And then I like to show it off a bit when I'm playing with other people. And I like to, you know, hype myself up, talk, talk myself up a little bit. And, which is all pridefulness, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't do that at all. And I have to ask God for forgiveness when I do do that. And I try not to. I pray about it to control myself. And 
it's very difficult at times, but with prayer, uh, you can always improve and asking God for forgiveness yeah. and drawing yeah. closer in his word. It will get better because God will help if you want to try to get closer to him. Yeah. And so God, so God gives me all of it to achieve it. He gives me all of basically the ability to play and, and that's, he gives me all of it. And so and another thing I was thinking of, so basically when I go up for that shot and go up for that one play, so the hand of God's with me when I make that shot, because usually most times I have terrible form. <laughs> and so, so I'm very, un, I'm the very unidealistic basketball player. I don't really do really good form and stuff. And I do like, I do like really bad form shots. And so basically a hand of God, after it goes up in the air, God just puts it in for me. And so, so I need to praise God when I do make those plays. <laughs> and instead, often I forget to. And so I need to, I need to remember that and ask God and ask God to forgive me for that. And then praise him for those plays that he does make for me. And so, yes, I am saying that all achievement comes from God because basically everything is his and basically everything he chooses to give to us. Yeah. So all that property, all those talents that he's given us, because he's the giver of all that stuff. And we need to praise God for those things that he's given us. Amen. And then because it'll keep that high mindedness down and it'll keep that problem that we have because when we get high-minded, we start to think we're higher yeah. than God. Right. So we need to ask for that forgiveness so it keeps us humble. Yeah. And we need to praise God because then we remember who's doing everything for us. So it keeps us humble right there. And so lovers of... So another thing, so I was at... So when I was playing basketball yesterday, I was... So I was at the... So I was at this place. And so after we got done playing... We walked out, so I was with a few other people I normally don't play with, and we're, we're all good friends. So we walked out to the lobby and we talked for, I think we talked for like a half hour in the lobby. <laughs> and so we were looking around. And so basically, I didn't, I kind of forget to notice this at the rec. So basically one of the things they do is, so they have basically this like huge mural of like little painted tiles that people have painted when they were in fifth and sixth grade. And so, and so I was looking at one of the tiles that was painted in fifth and sixth grade. So you gotta think about it, it was a fifth or sixth grader painting this. So they had an earth, right? And then on the earth, they had this Sharpie written with the words of Jesus on it. And I was thinking, wow, a little kid was thinking that. And I, that really, that got to me when I was, when we were loitering around in the lobby. And so I kind of showed everyone and I just that just part really got to me when I was there yesterday, and so uh, so sorry to break my little side wander. <laughs> and so, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. So that's the next thing. And so we have came to this uh, society where they much rather love the things of the flesh and the things of this world more than more than God, more than God's kingdom. Yeah. They spend more time trying to earn things in this earth and trying to earn things in the flesh which have no gain instead of trying to earn things in the kingdom of God Amen. which has eternal gain and eternal 
and turnover hordes. And they have hooked on themselves to the flesh, which creates them a desire to sin. Instead of serving God, they have a desire to serve the flesh rather than to serve God. And so they much rather enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season than enjoy walking with God and drawing closer to him. And so serving the Lord, reaping godly things and not sinful things. This is another thing that he points out right after that one is that we need to be trying to serve God first in every aspect of life. Everything needs to go to God first. Instead of going to the world. Yeah. Instead of going to the things of the flesh. Because the flesh is naturally wicked. It is naturally evil. So it's very easy for us to follow the flesh. And we have to try our, we have to pray to God and help him to let go of the things of the flesh so we can follow God more closer. Amen. And so we can be lovers of God more than the lovers of pleasures and of this world. And so when we serve the Lord... We need to do it to please God and not to please man. We need to do it. We can't really do it for, you know, all, when all the men come up or please the men and please the people of this world. We need to do it. We can't really do it for their congratulations, for their approval. We need to do it because God's told us to and for God's and to please God. Yeah. And... So there's nothing, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with encouraging people. It's good to do it because people do need to be lifted up at times. But what I am saying is people should not be serving the Lord with the purpose of receiving compliments from other men. And they should be doing it to please the Lord. And so next, and so next goes into verse 5. And so it says, having a form of godliness, but, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. So, real quick, I want to take a little Old, Old Testament look at it. And so, basically, I want to define this real quick. So it's basically this having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, would basically be having rituals and these ordinances of religion, but denying and blaspheming the inward power and reality of it. So basically, they're having all the fancy rituals that religion would have, but they forgot to include one thing, and that one thing is Jesus Christ. They forgot to include God. They have now denied that power, and they basically made up a fake religion. So I want to take a little look into the Old Testament about this. And so Genesis 4, 3b. So... So basically, I was kind of looking around, like, uh, so on Wednesday night when the pastor was talking about uh, the Israel's false gods and stuff. So originally, Israel was worshiping the Lord, and and they were giving off sacrifices to God. And then later, that turned around, and they started basically made a fake religion, giving to these false gods that they yeah. made up, and giving them sacrifices and treating them like how they were treating the Lord. So I looked, so I wanted to, I was kind of interested afterwards looking like the first, like, I guess, sacrifice of like uh, fruit or uh, or Abel's lamb sacrifice. And so the first one I found reported in the Bible would have been Cain, 
when he brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And so this is the first uh, sacrifice that would have been recorded in the Bible. And later after that, false sacrifice came. This, I, this having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. So we got the first sacrifice, which went to the Lord. And then later on, sacrifices will go, men will make their own gods, and they yeah. will make their idols, and that's what they'll give their sacrifices to. And so basically, men from the early point had made a form of godliness, but have denied the power of God. So it's a very easy thing to get caught in the trap of. Because many, many men have, many people, even in the Old Testament, even in those early times, have fallen for that. And so, and so, uh, and another thing is, so think about it. Have, have you guys ever been to a church where they have all the fancy traditions and look like religion, but yeah. they deny the power of Jesus Christ? Yeah. That is what uh, Paul's warning Timothy against right here. Don't, don't make a church that has everything that seems like God, but they don't include his name in it. They forget him out of it. Avoid that. It even says from such, turn away from those. Yeah. So Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying, get away from that. Do not, do not go to fellowship in church in those kind of churches. Stay away. Avoid. And so, and so one thing is I never want to be caught in this verse. Because God one day will call me a pastor somewhere. And I do not want to be caught in this verse 5 trap. I do yeah. not want to have a, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. I do not want to be caught in this trap. And if I do get caught in this trap, which God hopefully forbid, and I want him, I want somebody to come up and slap me right out of it and show me, and probably just show me this sermon right here and show me that verse right there, exactly where I said. And guess what? And exactly where God's, God wrote, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. I don't want to get caught in that trap. Amen. And so... And so now we're going to go to what I would call uh, Paul's encouragement or Paul's way of avoiding these things. And this is found in 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. And so, so first, I just want to say the first three words to just start out, but continue. Yeah. That's what he's telling him. And so... Now I'll read the rest of it. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and thou hast and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration yeah. of God and yeah. is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be per perfect. Through thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And so, so basically, the first instruction that he gives is continue. Yeah. So, Amen. basically, so if you are walking with the Lord tonight, he's saying, continue to avoid these things. You have to continue. Yeah. And so, continue in the Word of God. 
and continue in Jesus. Keep walking. Continue Amen. growing in Christ. Continue in the truth of Christ. Do not, do not compromise. Do not give it up. Just keep continuing. He didn't say, put on the brakes for a little bit and stop. He said, keep going. That's Amen. what continue means. Continue yeah. doesn't mean stop. It means keep going. Amen. And so, and basically he's going to, so we find out, so verse 15 tells us, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. And so, basically, I just want to, so basically, so when Paul's writing to him, uh, he said, 2 Timothy 1 through 5, when I call to remembrance the unfinished faith that is in me, which dwell first in thy grandmother Lois, Lois and thy mother uh, Eunice, and I am persuaded that in me also. So 2 Timothy 1 5 basically tells us Timothy's past or where or where he got introduced the gospel from. And so basically as a child he was he was raised by his grandmother and his mother in the scriptures, in the word of God. And so and think about it, thou hast known the holy scriptures. And so at this time it would have been mostly just Old Testament. So this Old Testament pointed to the Messiah. They showed him all these points yeah. to the Messiah. So the Old Testament is full of pictures of the Messiah at the, and showed many pictures of Jesus Christ. And they told him about who he was. And one thing that really stuck out to me, I guess, in 2 Timothy 1.5, is when I call to remembrance the unfinished faith that is in me. So an unfinished is a word that means basically fortified, stronghold. So he's saying he has a fortified faith. And guess what? Because Timothy has a fortified faith, he's telling him to continue. Continue building your faith. Continue building up your fortified faith and make it stronger. And just like, and so, I, got, I think I got a little sidetracked from everything. But so basically going back to 14, so after he says continue, he says and he's saying, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. So he's, since he has been raised and known the Holy Scriptures and known about Christ, he's saying, guess what? Continue in Christ. Continue in what you have learned. And guess what? You have been assured of. And that you have basically assured is to make known again. Yeah. And basically, since God will prove himself to us again and again and again. Amen. And so he's saying, because you have been assured in Christ many times, keep continuing in it. And so, and knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And so, and so also, just basically he's saying, continue, continue, continue. Just keep reminding Timothy to continue. And don't, don't back away when, when the temptation comes to drop it. And And so, so now on the verse 15. So, the, basically this is the power of the scriptures. 15, 15 tells us about the power of the scriptures. Since we figure out that from a child he knew the holy scriptures. And so, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And so, and so I already talked about the picture that it gives. And so... 
and the pictures of the Old Testament about the Messiah. I've already talked about that. And so the Bible is a book. It Even in the Old Testament, it shows the pictures of salvation. And it shows the pictures of Jesus' coming, Jesus' Messiah. There's many pictures about it, Amen. about salvation. And so Timothy knew these things, got saved, and he was... He was able to make thee wise unto salvation. He was able to acquire enough. God had convicted him and showed him how to get saved, how to admit and believe that Christ died and rose again, just like the Old Testament tells us. And so, and it took faith, that's what it says right there, through faith, which is in Christ. The faith that he, Timothy had, wasn't built in the worldly things. It was in yeah. Christ Jesus. Amen. And so... And so Timothy had to also continue to keep growing in wisdom, keep learning about more about God, and increase his wisdom. And so now I want to go, probably, I would say definitely one of the most famous, I would say Baptist, uh, KJV people's verses, right there in 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And so... So right there, the first word is all. So all scripture, yeah. so everything in the Bible is given by inspiration of God. Amen. And so I wanted to think about this real quick. So God, who's the creator of the universe. And so think about it. Every, so he spoke everything into existence, right? And so he breathed life onto the earth. He breathed life on the flesh. And he breathed life into man. He made it, he took the dust and put life into the dust and made man. And so he does the same to his word. He put life into his word. He put inspiration in his word. Amen. And he put all the scriptures inspired by him. And he did all of that. And so next it says profitable. Yeah. So basically profitable for doctrine, there's going to be a comma. So all these things are profitable for and so the first one is profitable for doctrine. So this belief, so basically your system of beliefs, your basically what you have, what you know, you it's got to be found. Your Bible, all your Bible knowledge, or all your knowledge, and everything you live by should be found in the Bible. Amen. So you need to find your doctrine, your way of life, and you got to know how to live from the Bible. That, that is the doctrine. That is what doctrine is. That's right. And it's and guess what? We need to we need to learn in the doctrine so we can become of the doctrine. And so it says to live so so we can live and teach. And so we cannot give air to falseness because false doctrine will come and try to shoe us just a little yeah. bit off and teach us, oh yeah, there's a second opinion or something like that and get us away. So we need to have our doctrine, all of our doctrine, firmly rooted on this book. Amen. And that's right. So because there will be many, just like he basically warns earlier, there's gonna be many false things that come. And so and then so more on so the next part. So, cannot see right now. For for reproof, so reproof is a synonym for conviction. So, and in judgment, sin and condemnation. And so, think about it. This word, the word of God, 
is profitable for conviction. Yeah. And that is, that is, you know, that is the word of God right there. It convicts, it tells us that we, because we have sinned, we fall short of the glory of God. Yeah. But God commanded his love towards us. And while that we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. It shows us his love. And guess what? And the next part is for correction. So we can, guess what? Confess, or it says amendment is a synonym for correction. But also that means so we can call on him to ask for forgiveness of sins. That is another thing. Because that's what conviction does. Because when we get convicted, we need to ask God for forgiveness. Right. And so... It convicts sinners too. It does the same. It works the same way. The word of God will convict sinners. Yeah. And then they ask for forgiveness and they basically ask for correction. And they say, we have fallen short and they admit they, and they believe that what Christ did and they confess it to them and then they get saved. And then, so, so this word even, and so for the safe part, this word will convict us and tell us that we went against the word of God. And so the next part we have to be willing to do is uh, correction. We have to be willing to ask God for forgiveness and then correct our wicked ways and help and ask God to help us draw closer and ask and ask God to help us not to do these things that he's convicted us of. Yeah. And so, and avoid evil, change our ways which are naturally wicked and remove our sin by God's power, let God remove the sin out of our life. Yeah. And we got to ask prayer for that. And we got to be willing to do it first. We got to be willing for that correction. <clears throat> and so next it says for instruction and in righteousness. And so for, inst for instruction, training up and building persons and righteousness. That's what we're, that's what we are to do. Training up and building up ourselves in righteousness we need to ask god we need to be in his word so we can grow yeah. ourselves in righteousness Amen. because the, the only way we are going to learn how to be righteous is by the word of god Amen. there ain't no other way to be righteous Amen. the only way to grow and get closer to god is by being in his word and that's what second timothy three sixteen says and so we got to learn how to live righteously and so the only way to learn and then, and then next we have to, the next step is apply it to our lives. The only way to learn is by the word of God. Amen. <clears throat> and so, and the only way we can build and instruct ourselves in the way of righteousness, there's only one way to do it. And it's from the word of God. There Amen. ain't anything that's going to help us Amen. instruct ourselves in righteousness. Yeah. So it'll keep us away from those problems mentioned earlier in 2 Timothy 3. It'll keep us away from those, from going astray if we live righteously by the Bible. I mean, we're still going to sin because we're never, I don't believe we achieve perfection in this life. Yeah. Right. I believe perfection is achieved once we are in heaven. Yeah. Because now we have lost our flesh and our natural sin because Christ has taken us and made a new body for us. And so, and we have to also, when we are in his scripture, we have to pray for understanding and let him guide us. Yeah. And so, that the man, so it's now on the 17th, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So every man needs to be devoted to the service of God. 
They need to get devoted into the word and so they can serve God and work in his good works. And so basically we need to get devoted in, our, in the service of serving God and into the word to avoid the false doctrine that's going to come. And so, and that we may stand complete in the whole will of God. We may be stand doing what we are supposed to in the will of God. And because I, and so, and we need to prepare with, so we need to prepare for God's word. And so, and so getting into the word so we can serve him better and do his will as need be. Because we need to be, because thoroughly furnished unto all good works. To me, and good works only is God. God is good. And so, and man's ways are evil. So serving the Lord is a good work. And so that's where we need to be. And so we need to serve him better and do his will as need be. And so in conclusion, so we have been warned, warned about these perilous times and last days. We have been warned about the loss of natural affection in families. Uh, and then we also have been warned about the many other things mentioned in this verse. And such as high-minded, pridefulness, feeling above God, uh, howdy thinking about ourselves over others and God. Uh, the lovers of sin, lovers of flesh of the world, instead of loving the eternal God. Uh, denying God's power, but making a form of godliness. We have been warned of all these things, and, final, and it tells us to continue in God. Yeah. It tells us not to drop. Not to drop God. That is not the way to go. But it says, but continue thou, and continue in the scriptures, because their power is from God. Amen. And it has the power for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And so, and if you're not in the scripture, I urge you to get in them. Because you're going to need all these things for when false doctrine does come into your life and start to stray you away from God. So you need to get rooted into God so you can be instructed in righteousness. And so that man, that the man of God may be perfect. So basically keeping away from these false doctrine things and getting and yeah. getting closer to God. And so continue. So we need to continue in those scriptures. And then so we need it. We're going to need it for doctrine. We're going to need it for reproof. And, and we're going to need it for correction and instruction in righteousness. And we're going to need it to draw closer to God and get, and get our sin out of the way. And so, and finally, I put, it teaches, the word of God teaches the way of salvation. As you see from, I believe, verse 15 and 16 show that because uh, Timothy, who grew a faith of God, in God, uh, realized from just the Old Testament that there was salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And so the, uh, my closing point, this is going to be the last thing I say, is Hebrews 4.12. That's why I want to close with it. And Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Yeah. 
That is the power of the Word of God. job, Bob. I like, I like when you were dealing with the end of 2 Timothy 3 there. And I, I was thinking where it said, verse 17, that the man of God may be th perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That's the end goal right there. That's what the Bible can do when we get into it, is thoroughly furnish, you know, how to live, what to do, what not to do, how to walk by faith, God's will. That's the goal of it. If we get in there and dig deep, God said, I will give you everything you need for this life. And that's what this verse is proving uh, right here. But thank you, Bob. Uh, I'm going to open up the time for prayer. Uh, if you want to come and pray or you can pray at your seat. Uh,